You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Welcome to Feast at Home, everybody. Come on, how was your week? How did God bless you this week? In fact, can you type in one blessing in one word or maybe one sentence how God blessed you? Come on, now is your time to brag in the Lord. Right? The last thing you want is for other people to think that they're the only ones that God is blessing. Show them that they're not the only special people in God's kingdom. You know, baka isipin ng mga tao, kala nyo kayo lang ang binibless ni Lord, ha? Pati ako ang binibless ni Lord. Come on, share one blessing that God God gave you this week, whether God healed you, God provided for you, God loved you, God forgave you, whatever that blessing is, we celebrate that with you, all right? And while you do that, also allow me to thank Father Bob, Brother Didoy, Sister Mai Lubaton, and the entire liturgical team. You know who you are. Thank you so much for bringing the Holy Eucharist right into our doorstep, right into our safe spaces. I want to thank also Patrick and our worship team for bringing the presence of God in our places of comfort. Thank you so much, everybody. Anyway, to all our first-timers right now, if this is who you are, all right? If this is your first time, I would like to invite you to an intimate Zoom gathering after this session is done. We've got two sessions, by the way, 10 a.m. and 1 o'clock p.m. There's a little break on the second session just because you, you need to have lunch, all right? We have invited somebody very special. Her name is Sister Mai Lubaton, one of the pillars of our, of our district. She is one of the most genuine and authentic persons that you will ever meet. You know, she serves together with her husband, Doc Didoy, building the feast and loving God's people in a genuine way. So do join us by clicking on the link. We're going to send it to you in case you don't catch it. Okay? Now bless somebody with the gift of your presence today. All right? Anyway, with that, let's get ready to dive into some good, godly wisdom. Are you ready? If you're ready, type in, I'm ready. We are on talk three of this beautiful series called The Clash. And today we're going to talk about this topic, greed versus generosity. I want you to tag the person that you think is good, is, is needing of this message. All right, so let's get ready. Let's, let's, let's signify the symbol of our faith, the greatest symbol of love as we come. In the name of the Father, in the, name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Everybody, don't leave me hanging right now, all right? Stretch your hands and then say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings and healings and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I'm God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world in Jesus' name, amen. You know the drill, everybody. Let's get ready to sing and give honor to God's word by singing. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Wherever you are and whatever your situation is, I want you to just open up your life. Let go of all your cares. Let go of all your worries. And now is the time to sit down and then listen to what Jesus wants to tell you, all right? As you welcome our dear, dear friend, Brother Bo Sanchez.
Hi everybody, God bless you. I'm so happy that you have joined us here at the feast. And today I want to start with something very basic. Are you ready? How should you read the Bible? Let me tell you how I do it. So every morning, before I read the first word in the Bible, I make the sign of our faith, right? I make the sign of the cross. And sometimes I do this, I, I, I just imagine the Father touching my head. I'm imagining Jesus touching my, my heart. And then I'm imagining the Holy Spirit embracing me and loving me and, and, and enveloping me anyway. And then I pray, speak Lord, your servant is listening. Now, the reason why I do that is this. I don't just want to read a book. You know, when you read the Bible, you want to encounter God himself. Like your, your Bible reading is your date with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here's my point. I must personalize my Bible reading. God must speak to me in my here and now. God knows my present situation. He knows my, my joys and my tears. He knows the burdens that I carry in my heart. He knows me and I, I'm His beloved. I mean, I'm, I'm declaring that I'm His beloved and I expect Him to speak to me. And so that's what you do. You know, you, 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 you declare it, I'm his beloved and, and he's, gonna, he's gonna speak to me through his word. So I just need to say that, okay? We must personalize our Bible reading or, or why? What, what, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's Jesus speaking to us. Anyway, there's an important step that a lot of people miss and it is this, before you personalize, you must contextualize. What does that mean? For some reason, God did not send an angel to ship us this in our mailbox. It did not come on a silver platter. The Bible, you know, God used human authors to write it, hundreds of them. and. Think about this. God did not zap the human authors into some half-conscious trance and, and control their hand <laughs> and dictate every word. No, what, this is what God, God did not bypass the author's idiosyncrasies, personalities, culture, intelligence, history, meaning I too must not bypass the author. I cannot just pluck a verse from the Bible and read it with modern eyes. Before I personalize, I must enter into the world of that human author, that human biblical author. Bottom line, here's the thing, I must respect the human authors that God used. If you notice, this is what we've been doing at the feast, contextualizing before personalizing. Yes, it's harder work. Oh my gosh, wouldn't it be so easy just to flip open the Bible and get a verse that will make us feel good, right? But I promise you, if you do this harder work of understanding the original intent of the biblical author, the spiritual fruits, they'll be amazing. And it's all worth it. I'll give you just two examples, two benefits of respecting. You know, when you respect the biblical author, here's what's going to happen. First, if you contextualize, you'll avoid the extreme errors 
of Bible interpretation. I mean, let's face it, for the past 2,000 years, so many people heard God speak to them through the Bible and do crazy things. You know, abandon their wife and abandon their children, marry 18 wives, uh, mass suicide, you know, or, or massacre a million people. It's, it has happened. And then they will point out to the Bible. Uh, you know, God told me, whoa. So I know it's extreme, but at least it keeps us safe from that, right? Far away from that. But here's the second and more important benefit. It's that if you contextualize before you personalize, you'll get God's fuller message for your life. Like the parable we're going to talk about today. This is our key passage, okay? We're going to read a parable. It's actually mind-blowing if you understand the context. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to our deep exploration of the Gospel of Matthew. And today, I'd like to preach this message. You belong to God. Can you put your hands over your chest and just say that with me? I belong to God. Whoa, does that feel good? Amen. Once again, the common mistake we want to avoid is reading a parable as a standalone story. Matthew did not write a parable. He wrote the whole book. And so the meaning of the parable is tied up to the meaning of the whole book, the whole gospel. So for example, this parable is connected. The parable we're going to read right now, it's connected to everything that transpired the day before. Uh, we talked about it in the previous talks. So Jesus enters Jerusalem in a donkey, announces himself to be king. And then as the new king, he enters into the temple like he owned it and caused mayhem in protest against the corruption of the religious leaders. And then Jesus cursed the fig tree. Remember the fig tree? The fig tree is a symbol of Israel because it was no longer bearing fruit. This is the parable we're about to read. It's connected to all of that. Not only that, this parable is so special. It's like an infographic of the entire storyline of the Bible. Once we read it, you'll get an idea. Are you ready? Okay, and the parable has three acts. Act one, the landowner pours his love to his vineyard. You're gonna find out as we read through the parable that the parable starts as a love story. So Jesus said, here we go. Now listen to another story. He says another because last week we talked about the tale of the two bad sons. And then next week we're gonna Okay, there are three, three parables, all connected. Let's go on. A certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. So you might be wondering, Brother Bo, uh, what, what are you saying that it's, gonna, it's a, like love, you know, the landowner love? I, I don't see that. You don't see that because we're not Jews. <laughs> you know, Jesus borrowed a lot of words at, this, at the beginning of the parable from a love poem, a beautiful love poem from the prophet Isaiah chapter 5. Now, all his listeners were Jews and they knew their Bibles by heart. So they knew that Jesus was hyperlinking these two things. And wow, you know, they, they, they began to experience, oh, this, 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 this is, sounds so familiar. This is the love poem. This is the love poem about God loving his vineyard. Okay, here we go. I'll read to you that love poem from, from Isaiah 5. 
Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Did you get that? Woo! You know the the love of the father of God. He he was the he was the gardener and and he was pouring love into his vineyard. His vineyard was Israel. Now let's personalize this, my dear friends. You are God's vineyard and and he loves you and he poured his love into your life. You know there was one retreat I had where I kind of like charted my whole biography. You can do that too. All the high points or the low points and you know this person coming into your life and that person coming into your life. I was just reflecting on that. Like like I was a vineyard of the Lord and 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 in his love and tenderness and affection for me, he set me up. He provided me these opportunities. Some of them were painful, <laughs> but then they shaped me to who I am now. You know what I believe? I believe that one of one of our biggest mistakes is taking for granted his blessings. That, and I'm I'm I confess to you that's me. I'm I'm I've made that mistake in my life. We forget that everything is a gift from his love. And can can I can I lead you into a declaration? Okay, before my part is over, I, I want to declare this with you. Okay, here we go. I believe we're more blessed than we think we are. That God has poured His love into us, His vineyard. And so, I want you to put your hands over your chest and say this with me. I'm more blessed than I think I am. Say that again. I'm more blessed than I think I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to discuss now part two, act two, and uh, listen and open up your heart to the Lord. Audi, we're listening. Hello again, everybody. Is this message helping you in any way? Is this message any good? In fact, if you are being blessed by this message, can I ask a favor from you? Can you preach it to the person beside you? But if there's nobody there, please don't do it. Otherwise, it's just weird. Okay, so if there's somebody beside you, go ahead and tell that person, you belong to God. Or maybe you can even type it in the chat box, you belong to God. And say it with conviction too, or else that person might not believe you. All right, thank you so much for, me, for doing that. I believe this is a beautiful message that we should preach to ourselves day in and day out to be reminded every day that, hey, I belong to God. I don't belong to the world. I belong to Jesus. Whew, thank you so much, Brother Bo, for preaching that first part with so much passion and precision and power. Anyway, for, for the remainder of our time together, I'd like to ask for your valuable attention, if that's okay. Because I believe that there's a lot of layers in the story that really requires our patience and understanding. We simply cannot rush into it. It's like peeling a piece of pomelo or, or suha. That's right. I believe that you cannot slice into a pomelo like you are salt bay. Come on, how many of you know this guy, the famous Turkish chef who's like Michelangelo with a steak knife, but he's also like a Tyrannosaurus Rex with salt? <laughs> he pours salt like this with T-Rex arms. Come on, you got to Google him if you haven't seen him. 
I believe that you cannot slice pomelo like you're slicing a piece of steak or else here's what will happen. You will bruise that pomelo just like in this photo. And you know, I hate it when that happens. So what I do is I slowly check the thickness of the skin first by slicing it slowly and then following that pattern all around. Or maybe, you know, that's, that's just me. Or maybe, are you OC like me too? Come on, type relate if you get me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Anyway, let's pick up from where Brother Bo left, all right? Jesus continues with the rest of this beautiful parable. Stick with me. It's going to be good, all right? Verse 34, Matthew chapter 21, it says, At the time, we're talking about, again, the landlord, all right? At the time of the grape harvest, the landlord sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and then stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him. But the results were the same. Now, finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, surely they will respect my son. But when the tenant farmers saw his son coming, they said to one another, here comes the heir to this estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. Verse 39, so they grabbed him and then dragged him out of the vineyard and then murdered him. You know, this is one of those stories that, that start off very simple. And then it somehow escalates in an instant. You know, life was good in the vineyard. It seemed like it was the perfect arrangement. The landowners, uh, the landowner had farmers that took care of the vineyard. While the farmers, you know, they enjoyed the comfort that the vineyard provided them. It was a win-win situation for everybody. I mean, life was good. But here's where the problem starts. The tenants thought that they were the owners. Okay, this brings us now to the second act of the stories where, where the, the, the tenants thought that they were the owner. The farmers started thinking that because they were the ones working on the field day in and day out, that they deserve to own the land. You know, there is a word for this kind of attitude. It's called entitlement. Entitlement, let me tell you all about entitlement and what it does. First, entitlement makes you ungrateful. That's right. Have you ever met an entitled person? Is that person sitting next to you right now? If that person is, please don't look at that person. All right? If you do, you've got issues. <laughs> These are the people who hardly say thank you because they believe that they deserve to be given special treatment all the time. You know people like that? Sometimes they even have the audacity to get angry at those who don't make them the first priority. You know, if you are a parent, listen to me. The worst thing, and I'm saying this from experience, that the worst thing that you can do to your child is to amplify their entitlement. I use the word amplify because I believe that every child is naturally entitled the moment they're born. I mean, think about it. When a baby enters into this world, they develop already a keen sense of entitlement. Everything is about them. Everything revolves around them, right? They just need to cry and maybe turn a little blue. And then the whole household, they've got the whole household under their little thumbs, right? Their cute little thumbs. Don't get me wrong, it's cute. Right? But over time, here's what happens. Cute becomes nakakatakut. Especially if a child learns that holding your breath more than usual or kicking and screaming on the floor can somehow manipulate your parents in giving you what you want. That's why I believe that it's a parent's responsibility you know, to instill the right values when your child is young, most especially when they're young, when their foundation is still being built. Because if it's something that you learn over time, you know, as an adult, I believe that it's also something that we can unlearn. Can I get an amen from the parents? Entitlement makes you ungrateful, but entitlement can also make you forgetful. That's what happened to the farmers. 
because they were so successful in working on the field day in and day out that they actually forgot who owned the land in the very first place. They forgot that they were just leasing it. You know, be careful that this happens to you in real life. When life becomes good, for example, because you worked hard at growing your garden, sometimes you forget who actually gave you the seeds in the very first place. When life gets good, my dear friend, never ever forget where your blessing comes from. Genesis says this, you know, when Isaac planted crops in the land, Genesis says that that year when Isaac planted crops in the land, that same year he reaped a hundredfold. Why? It says in verse 12, because the Lord blessed him. Listen to me. The reason why you have what you have is because God blessed you. Yes, you might have sowed it. Yes, you might have plowed it. But who supplies the sun that sustains that seed every day? Who provides the rain that enables the seed to grow? All you have is a gift from God. All right? Real quick, tell somebody beside you one thing that God gifted you this week, one blessing that God gave you, or type it in the chat box if there's nobody beside you. All right? We want to practice this attitude of gratitude starting today. Tell somebody beside you what God gave you this week that God blessed you with. All right, and while you're doing that, let me just introduce you now to the third and final act where the landowner replaces the bad tenants. This is the act where the landowner finally replaces those bad tenants. Jesus ends the parable by telling them what happens after the tenants murdered his son. All right, verse 40. Follow, follow me if you can. Verse 40, it says, When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, What do you think he will do to those farmers? The religious leaders replied, He will put the wicked men to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. You know, after the Pharisees heard the story, they, they realized something shocking, that Jesus was actually referring to them as the bad tenants. In fact, when you fast forward all the way to verse 45, it says, when the leading priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they realized that he was telling the story against them. They were the wicked farmers. You know, sometimes you would be surprised. I mean, there are many moments whenever I would read scripture and then I would feel disgusted at what the Pharisees would do. But then, you know, it would dawn on me that somehow I'm also guilty of doing the same things many times too. Sometimes I can be a hypocrite too. Sometimes I can be cynical too. Sometimes I can be judgmental too. Oftentimes I'm too quick to judge the fault of others, but oftentimes too slow to judge my own fault too. You know, you got to be real careful about this because this is what Jesus says in verse 43. Jesus gives a warning to everybody who does that. He says, I tell you, the kingdom of heaven will be taken away from you and be given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. All right. This is an important piece of information to all of us right now. Because it says here that the kingdom of God will be taken away and be given to a nation that will what? That will produce the proper fruit. You know, make no mistake, my dear friend. This means that if you are not producing the proper fruit, hey, you will be evicted. You will be evicted. God will take it away from you and then give it to somebody else who will produce the proper fruit. Now, the question is, how do you know if you are producing the right fruit? Would you like to know? 
Come on, would you like to know? Type in your answer. Yes or no? Would you like to know? How do you know if I'm producing the right fruit, brother Audie? Okay, in fact, I'm going to quote it to you, all right? John chapter 15, verse 5, and it says this. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. There you go. When you've got the right roots, hey, you will produce the right fruits. That's, what, that's why you got to check your connections from time to time. You know, are, are you still connected to the source? Are you still following Jesus? You know, you could be producing good fruits in one season and then start producing rotten ones in the next season. Some people start out very good in life, but then, you know, somehow they change course and then they lose their way. Their, their way. That's because life is not a straight line. You know, life is crooked. Life, there's a lot of stopovers, a lot of detours. That's why it's easy to lose your way when you're not careful. It's easy to fall into peer pressure or popular culture. It's easy to become lazy and apathetic and indifferent. That's why it's so good for you to check and discern from time to time. You know, ask yourself these questions. Am I still rooted in Christ? Am I still planted in God's garden? Am I still following Jesus? Okay, listen to me. You know, true freedom, it's not about having the power to choose anything you want. That could be a very basic definition of freedom. But do you want to know what my definition of true freedom is? If you don't, you can log off now because you have the freedom to do so. <laughs> but I hope you don't do that, all right? Let me give you my very humble definition of what true freedom is. You can even quote me on this. I believe this. True freedom is knowing that you can choose anything and yet you still Choose Jesus over everything. Come on, can I get a big and loud amen from somebody? If you agree with me, say amen. Because we all know that, hey, following Jesus is not always the easiest thing to do, right? It's not easy to stand up to the right thing, especially when everybody else is doing and saying the more popular thing. It's not easy to stay honest when someone is offering you the riches of the world. Oh, it's not easy. It's not easy to stand up to your faith in the face of opposition or the face of persecution. It's not easy to follow Jesus. But we do it anyway. Why? Because we belong to Him. Come on, can you say that with me? I belong to Jesus. Come on, say it out loud. I belong to Jesus. Who's with me? Who's, who's brave enough to say that God is my landlord? Give me a virtual hands up. To say that I am not his slave, but rather I am his servant. I am his steward. And I will freely work hard and take care of his vineyard to the best of my abilities until the day that he comes back to claim it. But until and before that day comes, I will represent him. I will be God's light in this dark world. I will be God's love to this cruel world. I will care for the people that he entrusted to me. And each time that the enemy tempts me to do otherwise, I will remind myself again and again that I do not belong to this world. I do not belong to anybody because I belong to God. Come on, say that out loud right now. I belong to God. I belong to him. He is mine and I am his. Amen. Are you ready to respond to this message? Are you ready to respond to the Lord? If you are, can I ask you to open your hands right now? And I want you to see and believe and, and, and know that we stand in the presence of the one 
the one who gave it all, the one who gave you his life. God is the owner of your life. He is, you're, you're just the borrower. Everything that you have, your time, your talent, your treasure, hey, guess what? That all belongs to the Lord. And I want you to give your time right now to Jesus as we bask in his presence. Oh, hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for your message. And right now, we are just responding to you in the best way that we can to give you our time, our talent, and our treasure, and our voices. We worship you right now, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph slash radio.